Hello there, friends, and welcome to Down the Yellow Brick Pod, your enchanted passport and sometimes twister over the rainbow and down a yellow brick rabbit hole as we pull back the curtain on American culture's most visited fairyland. We are your co-hosts, Tara and MK, your good trouble witches of the concrete jungle, here to preserve the rustic emeralds of yesteryear and reimagine an Oz for today and future generations. This season, our third, we return to Baum and the turn of the 20th century, finishing up our remaining 13 books in the original Oz series penned by first royal historian of Oz himself, L. Frank Baum, and published between 1904 and 1920 posthumously. And then we return to Oz, taking up residency in Disney's dark, disturbing, and kind of delayed fantasy sequel of the Kinder Trauma Age, scarring viewers since 1985, a near 50 years after the MGM release. Wheelers in shock therapy and screaming heads. Oh my, we are in for a wild ride. Buckle up, babies. Off the pod, feel free to visit our Insta at Down the Yellow Brick Pod for an accompanying Technicolor scrapbook, as well as our Patreon Pod Squad, where we continue the escapism and entertainment with bonus content from Tiny Oz Concerts, think coffee shop style covers and mashups of Aussie tunes, our Yellow Brick vlogs, exclusive episodes, monthly parties with occasional special guest drop-ins and giveaways, and more behind-the-scenes shenanigans. As a community-funded podcast, our Patreons are truly our backbone, our people. So consider joining our pod squad today. It would make our day. Now, may the world of Oz continue to be a bewitching escape in bewildering years, nostalgic and nuanced, and a magical refuge where two gals in New York City can cross yellow brick roads with wonders like you. Hey, M, to Oz? To Oz! Justin Madsen is a self-taught cartoonist who has been telling stories through comic books and graphic novels for nearly two decades. Over the years, he has created a number of graphic novels, including the post-apocalyptic tale, Breathers, and Carbon, a supernatural mystery. Madsen's newest graphic novel with Abrams Amulet Books is Tin Man, a young adult graphic novel about unlikely friends, a tin man seeking a heart, and a high schooler trying to come to terms with the death of her grandmother. He resides in a small town in Wisconsin with his wife, two kids, two dogs, and a slew of backyard chickens. Hello? Hello, hello. We have a special guest here. Hi, MK. Good morning. Hey, what's up? <laughs> we have a special guest in another time zone, zone joining us. We have with us Justin Madsen, who will be joining us for this episode. So happy Ooh. to have you here, Justin. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yay! <laughs> um, just to start us off, getting us into book 12? Am I correct? Book 12. Book 12. Wow. The Tin Woodman of Oz. My my boo of Oz. <laughs> I'm very, very excited about this book because it's really bizarre. It's very macabre and also yes. very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't wait to talk more. But there's a quote that really stood out to me that I thought we could start munching on right away. This comes in the rando chapter of Tommy Quickstep. Tommy Quickstep, the human centipede. Um, oh, <laughs> it's a very God. odd character. 
But he has this really interesting thing he shares at the end. So we find out that he has been bewitched by a wish he made that he wishes he didn't make. Mm -hmm. But because that wish came out of his mouth, he was given more legs than he necessarily wanted. So he says at the end of this chapter, I must deliver a note which I've carried in my pocket ever since the witch or fairy or whatever she was. Again, he doesn't know who really did this to him. Grant it my foolish wish. And I resolved never to speak again without taking time to think carefully on what I'm going to say. For I realized that speech without thought is dangerous. That really stood out today in today's day and age with like social media being a place that's just an open platform for people to share their two cents. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's a really great thing. And sometimes we have a lot of on research nonsense just presenting itself as fact everywhere. So where is this jumping out to either of you in any way right now, like to something that you've witnessed or something that you have even like Mm. perhaps said before thinking because I could I could fess up to this being my Uh truth Uh in the past Uh as well for I realized that speech without thought is dangerous Mm -hmm. (laughs) well I mean I tend to think very carefully before I speak so I mean that's sort of the the life of an introvert I guess but (laughs) love that but I mean clearly you just you just look around and you can see a lot of a lot of speaking happening without much thought Mm-hmm. I don't think yes. you have to look too far to to find that. But yes, yes, people without brains do an awful lot of talking, don't they? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I am thinking of recently. This just came up as we were just just now. Recently, I went to a family wedding or a wedding from a friend of mine in my hometown, and stuff came up in like conversation. And one of my good friends in the car has recently lost his father. And there was a lot of talks about dads that was happening. I just had that feeling mm. of like, Oh, I, I don't know if we should be here. If we should be having these conversations because it could maybe come off as insensitive, but like I felt my mouth also getting ahead of me before my thoughts could join. Um, so that kind of stuff too. Like I sometimes feel like when it comes to being sensitive Sometimes I have to do some double, like, you know, like sometimes I think I realize too late, like, mm-hmm. oh, maybe I shouldn't have brought that up. Maybe that's something that would be triggering for that person, especially if it's like a close friend and something I know. Um, do, do you find that you just uh, sort of, you sort of accept that then? Or, or do you try to backtrack? Be like, I think, you know, explain it away a little bit. Yeah, like I, kinda... I, I just felt uncomfortable in this conversation or just like I recognize it and didn't speak anything out loud of like, oh, maybe this conversation should not be <laughs> happening right now. And I just kind of recognize that internally. I didn't notice my friend having any like, it didn't look like he was uncomfortable. Maybe I was also sure. overcompensating inside. So right. I just took it off of like, you know what, he'll speak up if this is really not but, you know, it's just mm-hmm. that feeling, like, too, like, when you're in those kinds of conversations, when something comes up. But, you know, like, when, like, you're talking about your new boyfriend when someone is right next to you that is just had their heart right. broken. It's just that sensitivity thing sometimes, too. I sometimes think my mind, I don't know, like, I can get ahead. Am I making sense? Like, yeah, you know no. what I mean? I, I, have a hard <laughs> yeah. thing to, I don't think I've ever talked this out loud. Yeah. No, that happens to me a lot too. And it's always like just a second too late where you're like, oh, wait, I'm kind of forgetting that other person's experience. That's what and it is. And not that you, you know, we all have our own experiences. Yes. So we can't always share our own experiences like in comparison with each and other. You can't but worry all the time about triggering someone, someone else. Yeah. Yes. But if it's fresh. It's, <laughs> yeah. And if you really care about that person and you're 
you just have that thought of like, oh, what I'm saying could be misconstrued and like hurtful to them. And I would hope it, I would hope they would give me the benefit of the doubt and know that's not my intention, but yeah, you know, the power of words. Yeah. I think especially when you, when you have a wish to grant, you have to be extra careful. I think that's the main, (laughs) main, uh, main objective here. Yes. Yes. You really got to be careful with what you say. Yes. Don't want to waste that words. Well, I love to think of like our words, even like, you know, as muggle humans on this planet, our words are casting spells all the time. Like what we say, like you, it exits you. That's now a part of like what you say you stand for or, you know, it just represents. Right. Yeah. It's (laughs) the book of records too. It's what represents you. So that is always interesting. Like, Yeah. That's what I'm Mm -hmm. thinking of. Like, I, I'm just thinking of, I don't often get into like relational (laughs) conflicts, but you know, every now and then, like I'm thinking specifically of one with a friend of mine in college where it was just all this tension had sort of built up and we finally got to sit down and kind of just talk through everything. And it was sort of reaching this, like, it was a little bit tense. And when you're so frustrated and you feel like you're not being understood, sometimes it's kind of like that teenager thing where you just lash out. Like the words just come out. And I think I said something, something hurtful, not like it was, it it was a little bit accidental of just like, I don't want you to know anything about my life. Like it was just very like immature. And the look on her face was, it like put a dagger through my heart. And it was hard because it was like, I don't actually mean that, you know? And I think that can happen in the heat of the moment with conflicts where- yeah. You know, it's happened with me and my my mom. You know, it, it's that kind of feeling where it's like, I'm just kind of lashing out and I'm not thinking about, mm-hmm. yeah, you can't really take those words back whether you really meant them or not. Um, so trying, those are the hardest moments for me. If you're really like emotionally charged, how do you take a, a beat, take a breath and be like, maybe I shouldn't say that out loud <laughs> because that's just my it also can be misinterpreted. Yeah. Yes. That's yeah. what it is too. It's like when you say something that you're like, oh, I know that could be easily misinterpreted. Yes. yes. Something else. Yeah. This is interesting. I'm I'm also thinking too, like on global level, like how many events have ha- unfolded because of something being reported incorrectly yeah. as well. Like the Tulsa, the Tulsa race massacre comes to mind, which is, I mean, a hundred year old awful awful event that happened in Tulsa where a lot of black people were murdered and it all was based off of false accusations Mm -hmm. by a white woman on a young black man saying that he touched her inappropriately that didn't happen um and it's like if she had thought what she said you know like Mm -hmm. if I don't think she would have wanted to have caused what had happened but it was the jumping off point yeah and that's I think a lot of our history too if we look at like a deeper part we have a lot of moments in history that are caused from confusion or just Um, miscommunications, misreporting, like all these missed things Mm -hmm. that don't allow the full stories to survive or allow, I don't know, um, jumping to conclusions. Don't allow that, you know, give space to maybe a peaceful resolve. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Communication is hard. Communication (laughs) is hard. I can say something and another person can take it a very different way than you would hear it, you know? So I'm always trying to work on clarity in my words. It's hard, especially as a podcast host. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I suppose, I suppose you don't want to have dead air. So you got to keep, got to keep, keep it rolling. right? (laughs) It's true too. Like sometimes I feel my mouth just go and I'm like, I have no idea what's going to come out. No, same. It's like, we got to keep going. 
and life and on the pod. Well, (laughs) this is a really um, interesting way to start. Let us go into the Tin Woodman of Oz. See you in a moment. See you there. Listeners, welcome back to Down the Yellow Brick Pod. We've got Justin here, we've got Tara here, and we are diving into the Tin Woodman. Woodman? Woodman of Oz. We'll find out. (laughs) Who knew? Who knew? Surprise, surprise. (laughs) Published May 13th, 1918. So before we get into the text, we're going to share some bullet points. And I guess I'll kick us off. Yes, you will. Here we go. Bullet point number one. Welcome to Winky Country, where our shiny ruler, the Tin Woodman, sits on his throne, having endless sleepovers with his bestie, the Scarecrow. It's like you and me, Tara. Passing the hours, walking down memory lane together, and regaling their adventures. But who's this? Woot the Wanderer, who literally spends his life wandering, Mm -hmm. knocks on the door, and he is hungry. A feast is set, and the Tin Woodman shares his life story in therapy session number one, (laughs) recounting how he was once engaged to his one-time love, Nimmy Amy, but his axe was unfortunately cursed by a witch, causing him to chop off his limbs and be forced to go to a to go to a mechanic to get an entirely new body made out of tin and he can no longer love poor Nimmy due to his lack of a heart. But why didn't you go back and find her? Asked both Scarecrow and Woot. A bit judgy in my opinion. And we're off on a bachelor level reality reality show search to Munchkinland (laughs) to reunite these two lovebirds, but not before stopping off in Loonville where creatures are deflated and inflated constantly. And another stop at the Yoop Castle, where a giantess named Mrs. Yoop professes she is a Yoo-Koo-Hoo and can perform magical transformations. And guess what? She has transformed our dear Polychrome into a canary and desires to do the same to our visitors. After an encounter with some magic coffee, seriously, where do we order this? The Tin Man is transformed into an owl, the Scarecrow into a bear, and Woot a green monkey. But the friends quickly discover Mrs. Yoop possesses a magical lace apron that can open any door in the castle if it's in your possession. And Woot sneakily steals it late one night as the group escapes, Mrs. Yoop yelling angrily in the distance. Back on the journey, our friends decide Glinda will be the one to reverse their transformations, but not before they encounter a hungry jaguar who corners Woot. But with the aid of the magic apron, he shouts open and falls into the earth, narrowly escaping the hungry jaguar whom Polychrome serves mush and milk for breakfast, delicious, leaving the group to wonder, where did Woot wander off to this time? <gasps> Wait, wasn't it scrambled eggs? First it was mush and milk, and then they were like, how about scrambled eggs oh. as well? <laughs> it, was, it was a whole feast. I mean, detailing. The detailing. mush and milk to <laughs> me <and> sounds <laughs> horrendous. Love that. Love that. <laughs> be like an oatmeal yeah, situation. All right, Sarah. Okay, bullet point away. number two. There may be singing. You're warned. Oh, great. Okay. 
sinking into the earth with the magic apron to avoid becoming a jaguar snack, Woot the green monkey next avoids becoming the main course for awoken subterranean dragons, surprise, disturbing their century-long naps, and returns above ground thanks to quick thinking with the magic apron once again, which I'm sure would go great with the magic belt. Able to return to his friends with the help of his former predator, the jaguar, who is luckily full and points him down the correct path. Reunited, reunited with our crew in a reroute to Glinda's castle, but not before they have a brief encounter with our one chapter wonder, mm. Tommy Quickstep, oh. transformed into a human centipede. Remember that horror film? Oh, God, no. oh man. By a now missing unidentified witch, who Canary Polychrome is able to restore in, into his two legged boy form because it's magic she understands. And then they bid farewell to go rest and regroup at Ginger's Cream Puff and Caramel's mm. Ranch in Munchkinland, who at first doesn't recognize our transformed friends, but then wastes no time giving our green monkey a proper bath. While, guess who has been watching all of this unfold yeah. on HBO Max? Ozma and Dorothy at the late night magic feature picture show now deciding after we are given the fairyland backstory we've all wanted hey queen lurleen it's time to sweep in and use that fairy magic for good wand in hand hitching the sawhorse to the red wagon but not before picking up toto Mm -hmm. and off to ginger's ranch to perform the restoration of all restorations Mm -hmm. which nearly rescues all our friends except poor woot as mrs yoop made it that a green monkey must now exist in the land of oz forever but wait Polychrome hatches an ingenious loophole swap solution to punish illegal magic user Mrs. Yoop forever in the body of the green monkey by first turning her into Woot's original form and then making her switch with the green monkey. This is so confusing. (laughs) Through a ceremonial process from afar, hosted by Ozma on Zoom, which also (laughs) takes away the giantess's magic forever and catches her before she's able to take on her revenge. Oh, good. Sending Ozma a dist Dorothy, which we'll talk about, and Toto back to the Emerald City, vision boarding a wedding for the Tin Woodman, and Woot the Wanderer, Polychrome, the Scarecrow, and the Tin Woodman back on their initial, hey baby, I think I want to marry you, mission. The Tin Woodman recognizing the woods in which he lived through rose-colored glasses, and then (gasps) straighten up the mess with togetherness. Togetherness! The tin twin trap. They find another man made out of tin rusted in the forest. The only difference being that this tin man carries a sword, not an axe, revealing all an all too familiar love story and Nimmy Amy love triangle to a jaw dropped Nick Chopper and friends who then decides with his tin twin named Captain Fighter that they shall find their one sweetheart together and let her decide Oh, how nice of them, which tin twin she prefers, returning first to her cabin now abandoned, and deciding to next go to the Dr. Frankenstein responsible for their tin state, Kuklip. <laughs> so much info. I love it. Transformations. Oh my gosh. Had to include a little OG parent trap because yes, all I was singing in my that. head, a little thank OG. stylings. <laughs> Let's get together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, Justin. Anyways. <laughs> there will probably not be any singing in my okay. my bullet points, just so we're all on the same page. All right, everyone's excited. So, okay, so they go to Kuklip, the tinsmith's house, but he's not home. So they 
poke around in his workshop. And there the Tin Woodman comes face to face with the head of Nick Chopper. So that's, that's him, right? He found him. He found his head in a cupboard and he finds out that the head is kind of a jerk. So he just wants to be left in his cupboard. So there you go. Uh, Ku Clip arrives and tells them Nimi Amy is living with friends on Mount, Mount Munch. He also tells the tin duo that he glued their severed body parts together with magic glue and made an assistant he named Chop Fight. Combining Nick, Nick Chopper and Captain Fighter, naturally. <laughs> perfect, perfect name. Uh, Chop Fight was a terrible assistant and just complained a lot. And he eventually left to seek adventure. So on the way to Mount Munch, the gang walks through invisible country and naturally they all become invisible. Yep. The Tin Woodman and the Tin Soldier crash into each other. And once they're visible again, realize they are all bent out of shape and dented. A, a hippo giraffe sniffs out and wants to eat Scarecrow's straw. They all try to flee, but come to a deep ditch that they cannot cross. They make a deal with the hippo giraffe that if if it helps them across the ditch, he can eat Scarecrow's straw. He gets fi- uh, the Scarecrow then gets filled with hay on the other side of the ditch. Kind of a bummer for the tin or for the Scarecrow, but he went along with it. Reluctantly went along with it. So then they come to a small house inhabited by Professor and Mrs. Swine, who are pigs, apparently. Yes. And they are told they can sleep in the garden for the night. And there the scarecrow exchanges his hay for straw. So he's back to his good old self again. (laughs) Now, as they, as they come to Mount Munch, they see a, they see a house, but cannot get to it because it is blocked by a wall of solid air. A blue rabbit appears and tells them that Nimi Amy lives in the house and took one one magic formula from the witch and used it to create the invisible barrier around her house. Polychrome shrinks everybody down and they go through a rabbit tunnel uh, under the invisible wall and they get to Nimi Amy's house. Uh, And then they are enlarged once again and go inside the house and find Nimi Amy, but she is less than thrilled to see them. And there is a peculiar man in the house as well with one tin arm. And that Ooh. is Chop Fight, of course, <laughs> who saw that coming. <laughs> and Nimi Amy has married this man because he reminded him of both the tin woodman and the tin soldier. Uh, and now Nimi Amy is happy and she just kind of wants to be left alone. So right. everybody leaves. <laughs> They shrink down, go back through the bunny hole, and it starts to rain. So they all kind of hang out for a little bit. Uh, And then when the rain stops, there's a rainbow. And Polychrome Polychrome joins her sisters on the rainbow and leaves. And then the rest of the crew heads back to the Emerald City. And that is pretty much the end of the adventure. Until next that time. Awesome. Justin, that was so well done. Yeah, nice work. Making sense this I, was, yeah, I tried. I tried to make sense. Part. Yep. Yeah. It's a lot going on there at the end. MK, if you play the slippers on me right now, Tear, I hate to say it, but I'm going to play the slippers on you right now. 
No MK, but I was just four yellow bricks away from winning. Sorry, girl. That's how it goes in the land of Oz. Y'all, though I am totally losing, Em and I love to play Home from Oz, a two to four player card game released in 2019 that all ages can truly enjoy. There are not many games that allow both adults and kids to play together, nor everyone actually having a chance at winning. But Home from Oz does just that. Inspired by L. Frank Baum's classic tale, your deck is full of characters and magical objects you already know and love. The goal is simple, collect enough brick cards and play the charm slippers before the other players and you win. However, actually achieving the goal is a little more difficult. Other players will try to set you back using menace cards that steal, skip, slow, and stop, like MK just did to me. The wizard and tornado make cards change hands, so just when you get confident, you may lose everything. As you make your way home by following the yellow brick road as I am right now, you will encounter both friends and enemies. Beware of the winged monkeys or the fighting trees that will try to keep you from reaching home. Gain protection from obstacles by befriending the cowardly lion, tin woodman, and scarecrow. The wicked witch will try to stall your progress, but just as your friend Dorothy realized in her own journey through Oz, a simple bucket of water will get you back on your way. What will happen when you encounter the wizard or pass through the poppies? Well, you'll have to play to find out. The original card game is available now at homefromoz.com. That's homefromoz.com with an expansion set coming out soon. Ah, Tara, as I'm on the verge of victory, I can confidently say there's no game like home. Get out. This was, this was a big book because like, we got a lot of backstory yeah. that we right. haven't had. Mm-hmm. We also, this is one of the first big references to the Wonderful Wizard proper, mm-hmm. like taking a backstory from Source the Wonderful material. Wizard proper and like expanding it further, giving the Munchkin girl a name because she was on named mm-hmm. in the Wizard oh, of Oz okay. in, the, in the first book. Nimi Amy, that's like a new name. We love Nimi Amy. We no. love her. I I love her even more now after reading the book that she's just like, y'all, like I put this glass wall around me for a reason. Yeah. I don't need y'all here. Um, But yeah, this is one of the only books too that bomb. We have like an original manuscript of because most of the manuscripts have been lost. So something like the Hippodraft was at it like last minute. Everyone found that out just by looking at like his old manuscripts because it wasn't in there. So there's a lot with this book that I can't wait to unpack with y'all because it is the last book that would be published for bomb Mm. while he was alive, which is a big deal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Just even like use the history book that, I confer with the real mm-hmm. wizard of Oz, the life and times of L. Frank Baum. Like there's very few pages left in this Aww. book when you hit the Tin Woodman. Yeah. So um, there's a lot to mention here. So we'll talk, we'll start with some history. Um, I think this is important to talk about is the fact of where we were at with world war one, yeah. because that had a lot of influence on this book and what it meant to people. And the Oz uh, book sales started really taking an uptick at this time. They had kind of been on decline post like 
the resurgence of the patchwork girl, the books were not doing as well as they were doing when the musical extravaganza was running and all of that in the early um, 1900s. And this is the first time they're starting to see a big upswing because it's really um, hidden on nostalgia, which um, Em and Mm -hmm. I have been talking about. We love this definition of nostalgia. That's um, memories without anxiety. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. I wish I can credit to where I heard that. (laughs) That is such a good um, definition of nostalgia. Um, so they're really starting to hit that, this like age of innocence that Oz enraptures too. So people are really returning to Oz for the first time, I think, in a therapeutic sense. Mm-hmm. And this is the first book to really surpass their expectations and sales. And it gives an uptick to all the other books, even some of Baum's non-related Oz books, like mm-hmm. Johnny Cherub gets a nice little <laughs> uptick too. So he made good money this year, which was really right. good. Also set him up, I think, to transition into the afterlife to set Maud up yeah. his, who would be his widow, set her up mm-hmm. pretty well um, before he passed, which, you know, that's a whole, we'll get into that more when we get there. Okay. But just to talk a little bit about world war one. Okay. So this is from Rebecca Longcrane. The full horror of what was being done to men's bodies and minds on the Western front in trench warfare had come to light by 1917 when Baum wrote his next Oz book, The Tin Woodman of Oz. When the book was published in 1918, Publishers Weekly suggested that there is one country where no shadow has been cast by the war. It is the land of Oz. In fact, the war had penetrated Oz and Baum's preoccupation with bodily dismemberment and amputation. The story is haunted by the specter of the broken bodies of soldiers and the psychological devastation left after men had been stitched back together. The Tin Woodman meets his Tin Twin, a soldier. Also, that was um, what the title almost was of this book. The Tin Twins of Oz. Oh my God. A soldier who was also chopped to pieces like him by the Wicked Witch's curse. He too was remade by the Tinsmith. They discover that their dismembered body parts have been sewn together to create a new patchwork man of flesh and blood, a kind of Frankenstein's monster. The new unhappy man is not himself in any part and is yet another image of a divide itself like the patched people of Sky Island, giving another reference to Baum's old books. So this is, um, that's, that's an interesting correlation to just what people were witnessing in the turmoil of war and the absolute like horror of war like this has that in a very light way but also like there is i do see the commentary Mm -hmm. of like looking at yourself and putting yourself back together again like this is probably one of the first stories in the oz canon where we get like a really reflective look at one of our characters a humbling too like Tin One Man is thinking, she's been missing me for 10 years. I'm I'm just going to get back there and it's going to be all good (laughs) without thinking she could have moved on. Right. And I think that is what some soldiers also probably return to after World War One, like just expecting to come back to their families as they left it. And I'm sure that was not the case for most. So very interesting to just presence that history. Um, Also, I think Jane Albright talked about this, one of our past guests on The Lost Princess of Oz. Baum at the time was living with his niece, Matilda Gage. Um, So she was also an influence in his Oz books at the time um, and definitely had some influence on the Munch, uh, the Mount Munch, (laughs) because she was from the Prairie Lands. Um, So Baum kept returning to his memories of the landscape there because he also had spent time in Aberdeen. In searching for wild 
wilder regions beyond the mapped outlines of Oz, Baum imagined places through his memories of the Western Great Plains. So in the Tin Woodman of Oz, he discovered Mount Munch in a far-flung region of the Munchkin country, a flat-topped mountain jutting straight up out of the plains based on the Devil's Tower in Wyoming near the border with South Dakota. So he's even bringing in some of his own um, former homes into this book too. So just wanted to presence some of that. I mean, it's what this book is. There's two ways that you can look at it of like, oh, this is silly and like just so fantastical. Like, how could this ever happen? You know, kind of taking like these two characters and then creating this whole new character. And Justin, you kind of like made light of it too. Like, who saw that coming? That chalk fight <laughs> yeah. would be there at the end. You know, it's like right, I, right. I pretty much very quickly was like, she's married. <laughs> For sure. To them. Yeah. For yeah. sure. And there's there's something to be found in that. But what you just presenced here, it's like I I can't imagine what that must feel like to come back after a war and whether like you are physically different, you're definitely emotionally different, like trying to piece together the remnants of your old life. And it's it is it's like heartbreaking to see what the Tin Man goes through. Like yes. he did have his hopes up. Velvet he, heartbreaking. Yeah. Velvet heartbreaking. <laughs> like everything didn't tie up in a happy bow at the end, you know? And so I think there is a sense of reality in this book, even though it is so fantastical. Yes. Um, I also have here um, one of the bomb bugles that came out to celebrate um, the Tin Woodman of Oz at 100. Yes. So it has a ton of articles about the Tin Woodman. Um, and one of them is called Meat Glue. Just need to say that out loud. The article is called Meat Glue. But there's some really beautiful commentary in here and more on the history, all the reprints of the book. There's a whole section called like Book Collecting for the Tin Woodman of Oz. Aww. You could go deep with all of this. Um, oh, just also like remembering too, like the Tin Woodman says, and we'll get into this as we go, that he is not in love with Nimi Amy anymore, but it's the kind thing to do, right? right. He keeps saying like this duty, this sense of duty. Yeah. We'll get into that more, I'm sure. Yeah. But also that it does say this, and I love this, especially it is June right now. It is pride time. He, it says here, perhaps our emperor is queer, a servant tells Wu, but he is a kind master and as honest and as true as good tin can make him. Also this fact that maybe like marrying a woman is not his path and he does not have to live mm. that path. Like, you know, and he is so happy with the scarecrow. I know. We have so many thoughts on all this. Well, like clearing the canon of Oz is pretty interesting, but For sure. um, just want to presence that too. Like if he's also coming to terms with, Oh, I don't have to pick that. Cause he even says later on, I don't think I would have liked to be a chop fight. Like, <laughs> no, thank that you. That wouldn't be it. They call for him me. like a prisoner. They're like, he's held there against his well, will. Well, she's like, <laughs> right. yeah. he does the, this. Oh, he has been right. trained. She had, yeah, she had him trained already. So she's happy with that. She's going to ride yeah. that out. She's not going to start over and train I have someone questions else. questions about Nimi no. Amy. I know. <laughs> interesting. We're a little nervous about you. Um, <laughs> lastly, just to acknowledge this before we get into some illustrations and anything else we want to talk about historically. Um, this is this article was awesome. This is actually one of our upcoming guests wrote this, Sarah K. Kratzer. She's yes. going to be with us on The Magic of Oz. She wrote a great article called The Rescue of the Tin Woodman because this is one of her favorite books. Um, and this got me the end of, of her article. She, she talks about like, hmm, there really isn't any um, diaries or anything noting like, why did Baum write this book? Why now? 
I think just from reading a little bit more that it probably just came off of a young reader writing in being like, can you talk more about this? And he probably mm-hmm, was like, mm-hmm. yeah. And like, then went off on it. Um, and yeah. And then kind of maybe put in some of the elements of world war one and all of that into this novel. So she says the source that remains unacknowledged is Baum's own self-awareness. His middle age had been a dizzying blur of success celebrity and brushes with the newest technological wonders. Not all of his endeavors had succeeded but he managed to keep from total financial collapse. And according to more than one account, fostered a sizable ego on the side, kind of like the Tin Man. <laughs> At times he probably felt indomitable, but by 1917 age and ill health had taken their toll. It's easy to envisage a bomb who got up in the morning and saw himself looking grayer and more haggard with every passing week. Mm. Whose head are you? He might have asked the face in the bathroom mirror. Mm. I understand that guy. I mean, I understand that guy too, Sarah. And yeah. I think I understand what he's trying to say in this book. In time, we are all replaced by other versions of ourselves. Oh my God. That's Oof. the dark side of what made me feel so hopeful as a child. This is one of her favorites. <laughs> the celebration of differences and the uniqueness of the individual ignores or at least avoids how rarely and briefly we are ever at our quote unquote best. Everyone's bodies ages. Everyone loses their skills. Everyone, frankly, will need new parts. No one escapes the witch's cursed acts and sooner or later we all look back to discover we are not the person we were or thought ourselves to be in the bigger scheme of things none of us is special but i really actually i really like what she said here i mean the, that whole we are all replaced by other versions of ourselves oh my gosh sarah snaps i know sarah. i'm like <laughs> come on sarah that wow excellent i think that is what is hitting me with this book. wow Anything more on like historical context of this book, you can find the manuscripts at Yale University if you want to make a road trip listeners. I also think at some school in Texas. So just go to Texas and just start asking around. Do you have the Tin Woodman of Oz manuscript? I, I forget what's two thousand miles <laughs> just for this. They'll know, but they they'll know just trip. where to send you, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Justin, can I ask you a quick question? Yes. As you wrote this amazing graphic novel called Tin Man, which I am so delighted that I stumbled upon. A <laughs> and that's why yes. you're here. Like the magic of right. just ha- happenstance. Of, of, yeah. yeah. I devoured it, Justin. Like, I mean that. Oh, and cool. I, I will be honest with you. I sometimes get a book and go, I'll read it. And then it just sits. But I read this really quickly. And I think um, graphic novels are mm, my new favorite thing. They're like, so fun. They really are so <laughs> much fun. And I love the, I just feel so empathetic for the Tin Man character in your book. Also <laughs> felt like Stranger Things vibes with this Wizard of Oz. Yes. Like this yeah. these Wizard of Oz elements in the story. So much fun. Um, can I just ask you before we get back into our into our Bond book, what inspired you to write this Tin Man book, a Tin Man in like today's age? Um, well, the, the story kind of originated. Um, it was my daughter's like sixth birthday party and it was a Wizard of Oz. Theme I love party. Her. <laughs> so yeah, we were really into it back then. Uh, and I had the idea to do a pin the heart on the woodman kind of thing. Painting. So I so I made this, you know, lifelike sized uh, tin woodman out of cardboard, spray painted it silver, and all the kids kind of made a little heart and drew it and designed it in markers and stuff, and then. They got to each, you know, do the blindfold thing and try to try to land that heart where it should be on the Tin Man. That is so sweet. So then I we had that. this we had this giant, you know, cardboard cutout Tin Man in the house for a while, and it just was kind of like, 
you know, what's right this about guy's me. story here? Yeah. yeah. So it's just kind of one of those like lingering things. And then I was, you know, the story just kind of developed from there, that I guess. So magical. Yeah. It was, it was a lot of fun to delve into the world of Wizard of Oz a little bit. Wow. I mean, you got me some Easter eggs. Like, I liked yes. your yes. Easter eggs yes. that you sprinkled yes. in. I was like, good for you. Like, you got the fans. You got us. Okay, good. <laughs> I yeah, didn't want to, did. like, yeah, I still wanted it to be its own story, but yes, yes definitely had to sprinkle yeah. some Yeah, oh, it's a standalone story. Completely. It, like, I love, I love the the little boy. I love him. He was so sweet. Um, and just his relationship with the Tin Man and Sometimes just how we find friends also when we're young in an, in, mm-hmm. I mean, in this sense, he's not an inanimate object, but we find friends in these things that are not typical people mm-hmm. when we're right. younger. And right. like, you know, we need that, but, oh, I really love how you drew the Tin Man. That's yeah. probably my favorite <laughs> part. Yeah. I just so love sweet. him and I want the best for him to find <laughs> art and not feel like he has to be a machine. He's so right. sweet. And you're you're a self-taught cartoonist? Like, yeah, get out, what? Justin. Oh yeah. yeah just, <laughs> oh yeah. Just just uh just through a lot of a lot of time and, and effort. That's incredible. <laughs> I've yeah. developed uh, a style that I'm comfortable with where I don't yeah. look back and be like, ugh. Right. But it took a while to get there. But I'm sure this is such a basic question, so forgive me, but no, I'm always ahead. curious because I am not an artist in no, terms in of way. like drawing Never. or anything mm-hmm. no how, like how long <laughs> yeah does, does this even take you like it would take me years to do this one yeah one <laughs> like i'm curious like yeah general time frame general um i actually started it about five years ago yeah. and oh, then i wasn't i wasn't working on it full time you know just you know i do pick it up a little bit here and there yeah so yeah i mean if i was working on it continuously you know maybe two years okay but yeah yeah it's 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 easy to get it's easy to get hung up on you know one drawing or or a page but you gotta just kind of be okay with it at a certain point and move on oh you'll never get it done so right wow yeah because you're you are consistently depicting the changes of emotion the changes (laughs) of conversation like that is wild to me and that, that's why I love this art form, though. I think I'm going to get into some more graphic novels. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely summer. should. <laughs> so I'll fun. reach out to you. I'll get some yeah, recommendations. Yeah. yeah. All right. I can yeah. recommend have some seen, for you. Have you seen the Marvel comics of oh. the first couple of Oz books? They're so great. Yeah. Yeah. They I'm are so really good. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're a big fan. Yeah. We're a big fan. <laughs> we oh, them yeah. out every yeah. They make it. They also capture the humor yeah. of Oz mm-hmm. in a way oh, that sure. sometimes I think can get lost. It could get a little stuffy, yeah. or just like you could feel the oldness. They added right. fresh yeah. funniness back yeah. to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, so fun! Cool. Love yeah. it. <laughs> well, I think Speaking the time has come <laughs> to get into a little bit of these John O'Neill illustrations. Woo! Right. So funny. We've got some color plates, but we also have, of course, as always, some fun black and white sketches as well. So, Justin, did you have any favorite illustrations coming from an artist yourself that stuck out to you? I did. Uh, for the for the color plates, I really liked uh, the one where the two tin men got all all dinged up, and they're just kind of like, yes, you know, that's the parent trap. Look what you did to me, man. Rubber. Which is kind of funny because they're talking about how superior 
they are yes, as, I as know. being as being made of tin, and then here they are all, you know, Dangly. whacked out of shape. <laughs> <laughs> so good. I like the oranges and the. I know, one right? Too. The it's color, nice the color counterbalance nice. there. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to work when you're working. You know, when you're coloring the the tin, you're pretty much stuck with yeah. silver. So you got to kind of. You know, I colored my book too. So I was very like, had to figure out, you know, what color palettes would work, you know, against a tin, a tin man, basically. (laughs) It was a little bit of a challenge, but. The oranges and reds go nice. Yeah. I'm even looking at, like, I'm even looking at your book right now. There's definitely like an autumnal feel to it, which I love. Mm. Like, I love fall colors. Yeah. So much. Yeah. Leaves leaves, leaves flying around. (laughs) Yes, yes, giving yeah. me that impending Sounds. doom of Cornetto. <laughs> right. love, love that. Oh, so good. I want to read this again. I'm a big fan <laughs> of the illustration, even before the book starts, of the two tin men shaking hands, just being like, what's up, bro? Mm-hmm. How's it going? <laughs> I like that Bob gives it away a little bit, too. I know, right He's away. like, there's a twin coming, and they will like each other. And they will be friends <laughs> right away. And my second favorite is when Ozma transforms the Scarecrow back into his form, because Scarecrow's my boyfriend. And I just love him. <laughs> and he looks so silly without his little hat right here. And it's just, I also really love, again, the colors, like the background is an like very ombre, ombre, ombre. <laughs> I always say that wrong. Ombre, it's a very yeah. ombre, like dark orange fading up. It's just, mm-hmm. it's gorgeous. John O'Neill's feeling this color. He's scheme. really getting We've been noticing <laughs> yeah. Halloween bright colors. I love it. I'm so here for it. I will give a shout out to anything with polychrome. Yeah. Anything with polychrome I mean, and that wispy hair, uh, that crazy Rapunzel blonde that she's giving <laughs> and this like really cool swashy dress that she's wearing yeah. that is a little bit more rainbow-esque when Ooh. she is helping out our new Tin Twin um, when she is like also how she's perched, like she's Barbie feet, right? She's like perched on Not her tiptoes. Yeah. Like she's definitely got this fairy essence just in how John Arnia like paints her air. Yeah. Like you could feel the air around her, which that's like give him I give him something for that because I don't know how you do that. <laughs> and I also love when she is transformed back into her natural being from a canary. Yeah. Um she just feels like some sky dancer. <sighs> like I just that's what I want to be. I just want to be her. I just want to go to a forest and be a polychrome. <laughs> but I also have to shout out um this is actually another shout out for Sarah. Sarah, Sarah what's up? Sarah, when we met Sarah, she sent us um, the Tin Woodman of Oz, an older copy. So I'm going to just show Aww, Justin yeah. through our um, screen window here. Ah, um, and it's an older copy. I'm not sure. It looks like they were up to 38 books in the Oz series. So we're not wow. at the 40 yet. So it was a reprint definitely down wow. the line. But there's no color plates. But my little sweet angel. Hold on. I've got to present him. Oh, Travis Cowgill. Travis Cowgill. The once owner of this book, Travis Cowgill, colored in like everything. I love that. <laughs> oh, that's book. awesome. So in well, very he well. Yeah. <laughs> the only time he did not take direct notes from, I'm going to give him a note. <laughs> Travis, are you ready? Little critique, Travis. <laughs> is that I think it's with um our sweet. I keep forgetting his name. What is what is the kid's clue? Woot? No, the the Coot? one chapter Flip? wonder. Oh. Tommy Quickstep. Quickstep. I was like, what? With Tommy what Quickstep, he ignored oh the many descriptions of dark blue that were given no, no, no. to uh, Tommy huh. Quickstep and said, 
No, I envision red. He's red. Maybe he's <laughs> oh, red. Well, it's a bold choice. Maybe he doesn't have a blue crayon. Yeah, Maybe like, it was know, missing. Like, <laughs> the canary's green. The canary is green. Oh my gosh. Um, so, so cute. So I just wanted to presence that. That was really Thank enjoyable you, to be reading a book that is probably like maybe Travis is no longer here. Yeah, I don't know because this is a long time ago. Yeah. But it's I'm, I always love that. That's why I love used books. Oh you get gosh. to have a little of that magic <laughs> someone that you'll never know, but get a little taste of. So thanks, Travis. Travis. Thank you, Travis. Your artwork is <laughs> appreciated. Your coloring is appreciated. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us for part one of The Tin Woodman of Oz. Please join us for part two dropping this Wednesday. Thank you so much for listening to Down the Yellow Brick Pod. If you are feeling fresh with your fingertips, scroll on over to Apple Podcasts and now Spotify woot woot to leave us a glowing rate and review. It's a big help. Each person who leaves us an Apple review will be entered to win our end of the season Oz giveaway, including a gift basket of Aussie book goodies that trust me, you aren't going to want to miss. All previous reviews will also be considered in our entries. We see you. Further fun and ways to support us can be found at our Etsy swag shop from Good Witch Trouble merch to our new Fab Four of Oz icon collection with a big shout out to our graphic designer, Maddie Frank. Find us also on Patreon and Instagram via Down the Yellow Brick Pod, as well as on Venmo at Down the YBP. We always appreciate a tip tip here. Let's escape to Oz soon, okay? Okay, Auntie Anne.